All right, inappropriate Earl back after the election season. I had to go underground, <laughs> make sure uh, the race war didn't start until I was ready. Because race wars are the only things that bring property values down. And uh, I got my eye on a condo on Doheny and Beverly. I'm going to start right there and fan out. But uh, today is a very uh, special episode. First of all, this dude's a great comic. I've known him for years. I think the last time we saw each other was in an ill-fated airport shoot where uh, <laughs> it was a real screw job. But uh, that's another podcast. Me, him, and the great New York Gruber, Eric Gruber. Is that what he's going by now, New York Gruber? The legend of Eric Gruber. <laughs> Uh, and uh, a lady friend of mine were uh, involved on a project that went south, uh, probably started south, but we ended up south. <laughs> Not me and the girl, me and the, this project, some scam artist. Hey, uh, we get there. Hey, can you guys set up? Uh, no, this is your project. <laughs> and then he couldn't even get into the fucking door. Uh, real, there's so many con artists in this business, so many jackals and producers and agents and comics. I'm on to all of you pigs trying to take advantage of people. Well, Daddy Earl's been on to you from day one. Anyway, <laughs> tonight, today, I should say, now that we've all cleared our heads from the election, by the way, Hillary is just as bad as Trump, you fools, so don't kid yourself there. Probably voting for Gary Johnson still, you idiots. Are you real hardliners, Jill Stein? Got to get a Jew in there to run the money. Today is a very special podcast because me and this dude, first of all, we share the same birthday, September 17th. Yep. Me, our unannounced guest, and John Ritter, Jack Tripper from Three's Company, is currently at the Regal Beagle. With Horny Larry. Today we're going to talk about a film. A couple films in the mid-80s. But specifically, one film in particular. Cobra. Starring Sylvester Stallone as Marion Cobretti. Brian E. Thompson, who I've asked three times to be on this podcast. And so far I've been rebuked. As the Night Slasher. Rennie Santoni as Stallone's partner. Andrew Robinson has uh, the do-good sergeant. Art LaFleur has the sergeant who said, bring in the Cobra, do what you do best. And if you've seen the new Bud Light commercial with Troy Aikman, the supermarket bad guy, back in the game after 30 years between gigs. <laughs> Put your hands together, guys, for the one, the only, the great Paul, Paul Mary. Oh, Earl, thank you so much. Well, it's always a pleasure to have a funny friend on, but it's even a bigger pleasure when we have a mutual interest and a mutual love of a somewhat obscure movie in the Stallone catalog. Is it obscure in his catalog, though? Well, I mean... To true fans, that is. It, by the way, I'm, I am chewing on a, a matchstick to so channel what? my inner cobra. Yeah, go ahead. I don't shop here. <laughs> I once ran into the bad guy from Cobra, Brian E. Thompson, at the supermarket on Olympic and uh, Century Park East, right below Nakatomi Plaza for you diehard fans, which is right across the street from the AMPM 
where uh, the sergeant was buying the Twinkies, which is now a dry cleaners. Reginald Vell Johnson? Yes. Uh-huh. I forget his name in the uh, Die Hard the movie, which is another great movie. I think his name was the same cop from Family Matters in Die Hard. Right. That was his name. It probably was. <laughs> but Die Hard and Cobra have uh, kind of a parallel. They were made, uh, I think Cobra was made in 1986. Yep. Die Hard was uh, 1988, but I think Stallone was considered for Die Hard. There's like seven actors considered for Die Hard before Bruce Willis. Stallone was one of them? I knew Stallone there were a was lot. one of them. I think uh, Schwarzenegger was one of them. Of course. I think... I mean, uh, do you even have a conversation about an action movie back then without throwing those two and, uh, first? No, it's, uh, it's Schwarzenegger, Stallone, and I'm sure they turned down uh, scripts and the other one got them. Mm-hmm. It's how the business works. Yeah. If I were to quit Roast Battle, people would be uh, offered my spot. It wouldn't be the first choice. <laughs> Some of Obviously you guys not. working behind the scenes to take me down ain't going to happen. <laughs> so just sit back and watch it on Periscope, you fools. <laughs> anyway, it's another podcast. Just know that I'm on to all of you. I got ears in the streets. So when you talk bad about daddy, daddy finds out. And for those of you who have wronged me, I'm a star. I'm just kidding. I was going to say, do I need to be here for this part? <laughs> no. The manifesto portion? Walk around for an hour. And just, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll chime you in. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, well, Cobra was, from what I've read, I, you know, I did a little research for this. And we're going to talk about your comedy and stuff, too. Like, oh, it's going to be an all-timer. Okay. Was uh, originally the script for Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. Now, what do you know about that? Uh, that Stallone was, um, I feel like now I'm on the hot seat. From what well, no, I've I read, mean, you tell Stallone me what you was know. supposed to be Beverly Hills Cop. He was supposed to be, I mean, I don't know if the character's name was Axel Foley, but he was supposed to be the main dude in Beverly Hills Cop and all the ideas basically he wanted. Oh, man, this is my picture, dude. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, taking pictures now. I'd like to uh, sneak up on me. Now, what I'm going to do for the next few minutes is put this on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. So uh, when okay. when you're answering the question, I'm going to act like I'm not listening, but I'm actually doing some in-house promoting. Got you. Okay. Got you. Um, all the ideas that he... Good. Sorry, I had to pause for my Stallone face. Um, wanted to use for Beverly Hills Cop. When they were like, we want to make this a comedy, he bounced and was like, I'll just make Cobra. Right? Basically? It's a basically. So it's crazy when you look back and try and think about what Beverly Hills Cop would have been like with Stallone. <laughs> it's probably not as funny. Or maybe funny. Probably funnier. I was just going to say. Uh, I like I the. Uh, I can't imagine it. And then maybe Eddie Murphy does Cobra. Maybe Cobra's funny. I don't know. I mean, like, so many of the scenes... I mean, can you imagine Stallone pretending to be gay to get into the the country club or whatever uh, that is? The, the you, 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 all, you know all the, the, the gun she-she club. spots. Yeah, the gun club, of course. Well, yeah, me and Carlos Herrera, we lived a privileged life. Yeah, I mean, I just associate... I just call all that stuff the country club. I mean, it probably... Because uh, I'm not upper crust. Well, you know, I was... Uh, you know, my parents were upper middle class. Okay. Well, not rich, but, you know, I don't have to worry where my next meal's coming from. Either. Right, right. Blessings. 
I, but then Russell Peters is rich. When you make $20 million a year doing comedy, you know, I mean, I can go on johnvarvados.com and buy a pair of shoes and go, okay, I can afford this. Of course, but, you know, who can't? Well, a lot of people can't. A lot, you know, most comics can't afford you to know, do that. I mean, my last pair of shoes cost $800. I was at an open mic last night. I don't know what those shoes cost, but I'd be ashamed to wear them. <laughs> it's an old Ric Flair bed he used to know. Talking about his leather jacket. They asked him how much it costs. He said, well, this shirt costs $800. Yours costs 200 Then he points to the camera guy and goes, I don't know what that costs. I'd be afraid to wear it. It's anyway. It's a good bit. That's not a bit. You know, it's just life, brother. It's <laughs> life. So what attracted you to Cobra? Now, because when I saw Cobra, it was a double feature at the Avco Theater in Westwood. Which so you is, saw it in the theater? I saw a double feature of Raw Deal and Cobra, released maybe even the same week. See, I I don't I know that I saw see the the Stallone's next movie after Cobra, I believe was Rocky Four, right? No, no. Uh, Cobra's eighty six. Rocky four was uh like eighty five. So it was the first one after. I think the first one after I think his movie after Cobra was over the top. Yes. And then you he are did right. Tango, Tango and Cash. And then I'm not sure what happened in eighty eight. He lost what his a way. run. Lost his way for a few years, and then he got back in the game with the great character actor Michael Rooker and Cliffhanger. Yes. But I, Stallone's made a lot of movies that don't really, you know... Uh, but after this era. Okay, hang on. All right, so it was his first movie after Rocky IV. I remember seeing Rocky IV in the theater. Right. And that might have been one of my first uh, memories of seeing a movie in the theater, because in 85, I was four years old. 85, I was peaking. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was too. I was a junior in high school. So I doubt I saw Cobra in the theater. I don't, it was probably a rental that my father came home with. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, well, you missed out on a raw deal, a Cobra Double Bill, which are very similar movies. You know, the one liners, you know. I mean, they're all very similar. But, but I don't, my first uh, impression, the, the the thing that always stuck with me about Cobra, and I don't know if it, it drew me to it, but um, I mean, this movie's right up my alley because it doesn't make any sense. There's a rogue guy. There's one guy who's going to be in charge of taking down all the bad guys. But the thing that stuck out to me that always hooked me on Cobra was when he gets back from the uh, the, the supermarket, the opening scene, and uh, he not only picks a fight to get into his parking spot, he, but he, he nudges a guy out of a spot so he could park there and then rips his wife beater, or excuse me, tank top. I don't know what we're calling those nowadays. That was a uh, the Mexican guy's slick black hair and the, yes. with the mustache. Mm -hmm. He says it's bad for your health as he's smoking a joint. And the guy says, what, what, what did he say? What is puto? What does he say? What what is loco? He says what what is loco? Something like that. And then Stallone rips his wife beater and goes me, and then walks into his apartment, takes a frozen pizza out of the freezer, and cuts it using a pair of scissors. And as a kid, I was like, that is the coolest shit I've ever seen in my life. He's eating. First of all, he just has pizza in his apartment, and he's gonna cut it using a pair of scissors. And then eat it with his gloves on. And as a kid, I was like, that's that's the pinnacle right there. 
and watch on a very small TV in his kitchen. Very the, small. The news about the Night Slasher. Mm -hmm. Very, now, very small. You went through that uh, supermarket scene. You know, there's so many gems in that. Uh, well, I knew we were going to touch on it. I just wanted to give some context as to the... Right. Right, of course. I mean, the great uh, double product placement of Stallone resting up against a... Miller. <laughs> monstrous Pepsi machine. Yeah. But then taking a, a... I think it was a Coors Light. Was Coors Light? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, you know, it was like a double whopper. You know, someone There's was... There's also uh, the giant Pepsi sign outside of his apartment building during, during the shootout. Someone was thinking. Someone on set director was he was doing their job. Yeah, of or course. she could have been she. Cobra strikes me as a set that didn't have a lot of females on it. <laughs> no, I don't think maybe so. Bridget Nielsen and uh, her assistant and the wacky uh, the rogue cop who ratted Nelson, everyone out. Yeah, never, was, I never liked that bitch. Me neither. That's that's the only that's the only time they talk about her. And she was also in a Dirty Harry movie. Uh, uh, sudden impact was she she played the uh horny uh like drunk who uh clint eastwood's punches in a bar <laughs> eastwood he went for it back then <laughs> by the way this goes to show you never listen to anyone who says you can't make it because my mom was pregnant with me and she had dinner with clint eastwood and she looked at him and said you'll never make it you're too nice so Get out of here. My mom was like the people from Flappers or uh, a lot of talent scouts. They like Flappers Claremont or Flappers Burbank? Uh, either one. Okay. It's like choosing between herpes and syphilis. Who the hell puts a fucking comedy club in a strip mall in Claremont? And I can't get booked there. Welcome to Hollywood. It's a cold business. <laughs> and then, now maybe you can explain this to me. Okay. Because I've seen Cobra... At least a hundred times. Okay, maybe I, I don't know. Could be two hundred times. And I've never understood how Stallone got in the refrigerator. <laughs> no, there's no explanation. And pops out like it's a one door room. Like, <laughs> first of all, you're absolutely right. And uh, second of all, I don't know if you've ever been in a walk-in refrigerator of that size. Those doors are extremely heavy. And he bl he blows through that door like it's made of balsa wood. But uh, how did he get in there? I there's I mean there's no two way you know there's super, no back entrance yeah. to the fridge. Supermarket refrigerators I haven't been in that many, but I've never <laughs> seen one that was you know like a two way entrance. Uh, you know it reminded me of this gay porn I saw once. Naturally. This girl wanted to see a gay... I was dating. No, yeah. No, it makes see sense. See a gay porn. Of course, I had to rent it. Yeah. I think it was like... I'll never forget the name of it. It was like Butthole Blasters 16. Okay. So, for those people who say Stallone was, you know, pushing it with Ra Rambo 6, I mean, Butthole Blasters 16 is another level. I mean, they had me at two. They made Actually, 14 more. They had me at one. <laughs> Who am I kidding? Uh, but there was this scene where these gay, gay guys are blowing each other in this windowless and doorless room. So Which I, is the best place for that to go down. Well, yeah, for that kind of activity. I mean, mm -hmm. build that wall around that set. Uh, but I was the whole time I was thinking, well, how did they get in there? Like, 
And then a third guy comes in and goes, you're not doing it right, and starts blowing himself. And that was my main concern was where are they coming from? Mm -hmm. And that was the whole thing with Stallone in the supermarket scene. What? Isn't that funny when you get caught up on little details like that? Yeah. Like you're not supposed to. Did you see Whiplash? Not to deviate. Uh, I, I don't think I have. There's a scene in there where the they're on the the Miles Teller and this girl are on a date and they're at a pizza place and I was watching it with friends and dialogue whatever yada yada let's get out of here and they get up to leave only both of them have only eaten like half of their pizza and the whole rest of the movie I was visibly disturbed to the point where my friend sitting next to me was like what's wrong with you and I was like did you notice they only ate half their pizza in that right. pizza parlor date scene and he was like are you serious and i was like yeah i can't get past it well, no one no one on a date would not finish anyway back to Butthole but i'm Blaster with 16. you yeah because there's a scene in predator that always bothered me and that's when uh bill duke mm -hmm. uh, who plays mac and carl weathers dylan uh, they both got killed in the same scene. And right. I thought they must have been really behind on budget and just said, just killed the two black guys in the same shot. <laughs> I mean, we we didn't have enough camera for individual shots. So I thought Predator was kind of a racist movie. Really? Well, and outside of the fact that uh, the the monster looked like uh, Ricky and Venus Williams. Uh, I thought that was a little weird. But, you know, you got to be careful what you say these days. <laughs> my career ever pops, you know, someone's going to point back to this. I'm point. sure you're aware of who the original Predator was. Oh, come on, man. That's okay. like, that's like. I know, I know, but I have to, you know. That's like putting the ball on the tee ball and now I got to walk the retarded kid to first base. The great Jean-Claude Van Damme. I don't understand that analogy, but we, we can. You know how they like, it. you know, when the, with the retarded kids, they, you know, want to hit them the baseball. So they just put the ball on the tee for them and they hit it. Oh, and this is not during T-ball. Right. Okay. And so then they have someone walk the kid to first base. Got you. Okay. So, so Jean-Claude Jean Van Damme is is the T in this scenario? No, no. That question was so easy. Oh, it, it okay. Was like, it's set up on the T for me. Now Got you. Someone's going to walk me to first base. Sorry. It's very early. It is early. It's noon. I don't. This might be in the 153 episodes of Inappropriate Earl, the earliest episode I've ever recorded. But you have a job. At, I have a night job. What do you do at night? I bartend. Where? Uh, at a bar in Santa Monica called The Bungalow. So if you're, uh, you know, I I don't drink myself. Never had a drop in my life. But God bless you. If if you're, uh, now, it, now I've known a few female bartenders in my lifetime. What is it like for, we're going to deviate from Cobra for just a second because I'm fascinated by the bartending life. Are you? I haven't had the most positive experiences. <laughs> Just say that. Uh, what is it like for a male bartender? Because I know with a female bartender, you've got a bunch of horny slobs who, uh, you know, are just, you know, whatever. Because uh, I've always maintained that it's people who go to bars, it's not about drinking for them. If it was about drinking, wouldn't they just stay home and drink a beer? Real alcoholics would, yes. But I find uh, 
I mean, I, what what is? The, do you get picked up on by like female? Like, I mean, you have a girl. I'm married. You're oh fuck. There you go. Well, trust me. If I knowing the bar life like I know it, <laughs> I'm not talking through personal experience. But people don't care if the bartender's taken. They, uh, they certainly do not. More, more girls have tried to pick up on me since I got married. Because it's almost like a, uh, like you're it, taken, so it makes you more desirable. Correct, and they want to see. Girls are just girls. I've found have are just as shady as dudes. Oh. Like dudes, for sure, don't care. Oh, if you have yeah. a, a boyfriend or are married. Uh, but girls I found have just, are just as like, are you really, are you really married? I mean, I had a girl ask me on Saturday, like you're married. And I went, uh-huh. And she was like, um, like how married? And I was like, I mean, I don't even know how to answer that question the most. Right. I you mean, got an email. No, no, no. Let me turn the phone off. I got so many, uh. So many uh, electronic devices here that I've got. You never know who's texting me. <laughs> Could be, uh, I don't know, could be guys I'm talking about at certain bars. Right. Earl, are you talking about me right now? They can feel it? They can. I have a very powerful presence. <laughs> and sometime in the future, all good things will come about. And all bad things will come about <clears throat> to people in particular. Anyway. So you're saying that this girl possibly would have done something physical with you if you gave her that? I don't. I don't think. No, uh, I'm not saying that night. The follow. Uh, here's the thing. I don't think the follow through is there. I think they just want to know that they can right. if they if they wanted to. And it's a fine line, isn't it? Because you're obviously. Uh, I don't know how male bartenders do it, but. Uh, you know, you kind of have to not flirt, but, you know, you want their money at the end of the day. You want big tips and like, you, you know, I know with like a female bartender, they'll like maybe show a little cleavage, you know, smile. Right. You know, lead them, not lead them on, but like. Act like they're interested. You know, not necessarily. I mean, you know, you got to be nice, you know. You, yeah. Like you're dealing with some horny slob. Well, we're We're blessed in a sense that we are a very, very, very busy location. So it doesn't, it's not like you're going to work a, a shift where it's, it's slow. And if you're nice to this dude, he might leave you 50 bucks and that might make all the difference. Right. We're so busy where if <clears throat> you don't leave me five bucks, two bucks, three bucks, whatever, there's 17 people behind you that are going to. So you don't really need to milk the people right. with uh, necessary, uh, you know, flirtation or, or or cleavage i mean i cl show cleavage well you got a great body you're a good looking dude thank like you. thank you do you wear outfits like uh, is there uniforms there is a uniform uh, my shirt is too tight why don't you uh, work at pump right down the street get in. <laughs> i'm actually uh i prefer trunks trunks is a uh, homosexual uh establishment right on the end of this street where they used to have a hot comedy night did they really? And uh, I bought a, this might have been before your time in the LA comedy scene. There was a, I wouldn't say he was a homeless comic, but he was a, he's a legend in the LA comedy scene called Gaylord Dangler. And he was a older comic, like in his sixties and he would do the same jokes. Every, no. Everyone loved him. 
you know, uh, we all would recite his jokes with him. It was like a very community vibe when he would go up and he would run the light and everyone loved it, which is like, you know, it's the number one thing in comedy. Don't run the light. Sure. But with Gaylord, they didn't mind. So I felt sorry for him because he was kind of a, kind of like a Boone shakalaka type. Right. And I think everyone knows who Boone is on this homeless transvestite who is kind of a comic, not really, but it, it, people love him. Just have him around. And uh, I said, hey, man, why don't you come with me to this comedy night at Trunks? You know, it's a gay bar, but they're cool. Just don't do any gay jokes, like hardcore, like, just, you know, like. Be cool about. Just be cool. It's, yeah. it's like, you know, it, it's their bar. They're nice enough to let us do comedy. So I take him down there. He's going on last. And for 15 minutes, he's getting standing ovation. Like, they fucking loved him. Because uh, he's crazy. And then he starts in with the AIDS jokes. And it's just like he just couldn't control himself. <laughs> and that was the last night ever of comedy at Trunks. Oh, man. I would have loved to perform in Trunks. Do you know why they... Uh, See, that's you're, we're liking tweets live on yeah. air. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know why they call it Trunks? Um, no. Apparently, if you have anal sex enough. Now, I've never had that. Right. I've had it once. I've, I've, I've given it once. Correct. Uh, but if you are the receiver of anal sex and like for years and years, you just get plowed. Uh, your Your butthole starts to look like an elephant's trunk. Earl. No, I'm completely uh, serious. Earl. That's why they call it. Don't you notice that the old school gay bars in this neighborhood all have like sexual, you know, like there's the mother load. What do you think that bar's about? <laughs> Wake up, dude. <laughs> what do you think? The fucking earth is still flat. Uh, so isn't uh, it? But I've you don't see a lot of male bartenders. Why is that? Do you think... I mean, I'm assuming that the bars I've been in, I would say the audience is maybe 70% dudes, 30% women, or am I, is it something close to that? <clears throat> the Meaning the customer base? Right. So I'm um, assuming the establishments want female bartenders. They They do, but I mean, I don't know. I know just as many. I mean, I'm trying to think. We have a pretty even split. I'd say it's maybe... 65 35 or 60 40 i mean which i know isn't even but we have you know i think maybe one or two more dudes than we have uh girls on staff bartender wise now cocktail waitresses all female right i would imagine and this this is a nightclub bar or just a bar it's, it's a bar but it's in santa monica and it's the only thing that's open really past 11 uh in that uh, area. I mean, there's a couple other spots, but it's outside and it's not set up like a traditional bar. It feels like a house, which is what everyone says. Uh, I'm not sick of hearing it. I could hear that to the end of time. And I'm being uh, sarcastic right now for those at home that can't tell. Um, at least uh, three times a shift, someone will say, this place is awesome. It's like a, it's like a house. And I'm like, uh-huh. Have never heard that. Do you have TVs there? We have one projector uh, that we will show the occasional sporting event. Um, so it's not necessarily a, uh, you know, people don't go there to watch the ball game. Definitely not. But a big game, like we've showed, I mean, we show the Super Bowl every year. We showed uh, when the Kings 
were in the Stanley Cup playoffs. We showed Game 7 against the Rangers, which as a Rangers fan was uh, pretty brutal, having a lot of Kings fans come up to me, expecting me to be happy. Now, did people, because I've always fascinated by the the love of hockey um, or lack of love of hockey in uh, Los Angeles, even though we've only won two fucking Stanley Cups in three years, you pigs. Uh, sorry about that. Got a little aggressive. Uh, outside of that, has anyone ever come into the bar and said, hey, could you put on the Kane game? Um, occasionally, we'll get someone that has no idea where they are and they right. just think... Because it's right by the promenade, which on the promenade, there's, uh, the hell's the name of that? There's Cabo Cantina. There's uh, a bunch of, there's Barney's. There's a ton of what I would call sports bars. Right. Um, so you walk, you know, two blocks away and you expect the bar you walk into to be like, hey, can you throw on whatever game? And it's like, we only got one TV. And uh, the answer is no. Right, because you got a, would you say, an upper crust clientele? Um, I don't know. Uh, they certainly think they are. Oh, yeah. Um, especially in that area, you get a lot of Palisades in Malibu people and uh, a lot of people that have nine to fives that think right. they're entitled to, I don't want to say the world, but uh, everything the world has to offer. What are you, Pacino and Scarface? <laughs> Yeah, they're not like some loser who, uh, you know, goes to a bar to you know, do things he shouldn't, right? Are you talking in code right now? Oh, I don't know. I'm just talking. Just talk, saying what comes to my mind. <laughs> so do you think one night you could ever have Cobra put on and just, you know, I'd come in and, you know, order? I would love, nothing would make me happier right. than to obscurely show Cobra and act like it's 100% normal. Because I've always wanted to own a bar. I would help you run that bar. I would exclude certain people from said bar. I totally understand that. Um, if it were up to me, I would 86, 90% of our customers. But that's tough because you need their money. I mean, you don't need it, but like, you know, you're obviously. Yeah, uh, sure. I'm talking 90% of the, the regulars that come in. Well, I'm fascinated by the bar life. There's just, it's almost like a comedy club where there's the characters, there's the, the regulars, there's like the yeah there's a certain amount of like it's abnormal behavior but it's considered normal i mean like you know i remember in uh, starting out being like every once in a while getting frustrated and having to have someone remind me like hey just because we see these people seven nights a week doesn't mean that they're any less mentally insane than they're showing you and i was like oh yeah you're right and it's just the same with regulars it's like just because i see you every time i'm in and you're in five nights a week regularly drinking for eight hours. It doesn't make it any more normal, that behavior. It just appears normal. Right. I mean, I'm amazed that bars open at six in the morning. As an alcoholic, I, I appreciate that, and I completely understand. And there's people who at 6.01 have alcohol. Mm -hmm. What's the rule? From two to six, there's no... There can be no. Alcohol. I don't know when you can start serving. I know you can. You have to be done by everyone. I mean, your place has to be closed by two. Oh, so you can't be drinking at one fifty nine. Like no, you have to stop serving and say one. You have to stop serving. We stop serving at technically one thirty um, when the lights go up. Um, okay, like every once in a while, they'll they'll stop and say serve till one thirty five and right. let people hang out until 150 sometimes they'll say as soon as 130 comes no more everyone's got to go 
depends on how annoyed the police that are are at uh, the police are at us at the current time. Right. There's been a slew of fights and incidents. Really? Oh yeah. It's Santa Monica. Everyone gets boozed up and talk shit, and then there's shoving matches, and occasionally there'll be an actual G there who will throw down. But I've uh, never. I was kind of got into a bar fight once, but you have not really. I was, was uh, just say I was uh, interested in scaring a certain individual, right? And, uh, so I hit the wall behind his, behind him, just to scare him, mm-hmm. and uh, broke three bones in my hand. Naturally, and uh, it was worth every <laughs> ounce of pain, every metacarpal fracture. To see this fool shit his pants. How long ago was this? I don't want to say it. Say it. Wasn't that long ago. Statute of limitations still in play here? I did nothing illegal. (laughs) Nothing illegal. So the zombie squad's not going to come for you? I'm all about mind games, Paul. (laughs) I know. I wanted to just scare this individual and... I think I accomplished that. Who did I read last night that Stallone threw against the wall? Uh, I think, uh, well, there's uh, the famous fight. Yeah, let's get back into Cobra. I got too real there for the last couple minutes. But I am fascinated by the bar life because I watch Bar Rescue. Now uh, let, it's, it's great. It's the best show. But let me ask you this. like That show, which if you haven't seen it, just turn on Spike TV. It's probably on right now. Yeah, for sure. Um that just seems fake to me. Like, do you think that guy knows what he's talking about? He does to a certain extent, but what a lot of people don't know is if, listen, if you uh, open a bar, if you've worked in a bar for, I want to say at least two years, if not, it might even be less, depending on your mental aptitude, you know, you know how to run a bar. You might not be the best, uh, you know, when it comes to bookkeeping or all the other aspects of business, but the essentials of running a bar are very simple. And if you don't have that uh, ability, it just means you you got into a business that you have no idea what you're doing. But like, has an L.A. gringo who's just a mm-hmm. a man of humble means and of a humble background. Upper middle class. Upper middle class who just wants to see all his friends make it. Does what he can to help. But sometimes people don't believe that's my intention. Anyway. I would think the essentials of running a bar is... Uh, it's a pretty simple, like... It is. You buy the right amount of booze. Correct. You, you price it correctly. Mm-hmm. And that's it. It's I mean, a, I know there's more to it than that, sure, but like you but get yeah. the right customers, mm-hmm. you know, like for your bar, it doesn't like just being an outsider with no experience of running any type of nightclub. I would think that, you know, you wouldn't cater to like the sports bar crowd because that's not who goes into your bar. Right. Like I see bars in West Hollywood, like the bar down the street from us. We're live on Larrabee right now, by the way. And there is a... Well, I don't want to mention the bar's name. I don't want to get sued. Guess it's not figure out. Not hard to figure out what bar I'm talking about. But they never seemed to have done their research. Like it's a fucking cowboy bar, 
like in West Hollywood. It's like, what made you guys think this was going to work? And it's rarely full. Yeah, it's it's a weird, it's a, a business that people get into because they think it'll be fun. And it's it can be fun at times, but if you don't, I don't want to say take it seriously, but <clears throat> maybe if you don't um, respect it enough, like just because you hang out in bars and you drink in bars and you have the means to buy one doesn't mean you should because you're enjoying yourself. It's the same as the people who come into work and are are confused by the fact that uh, as a staff, we're not having a great time. They're, they don't get it. They're like, this place is awesome. This is, I'm having so much fun. Why aren't you having fun? It's like, well, I'm at work and you don't understand. Like I'm not only helping you, but I'm doing 17 different things in addition to helping you. So they don't, people go, uh, well, I hang out at this bar a lot. I'll just buy one and I'll run it. and It'll be so much fun, but it's not necessarily that much fun. It's a business. Because you, I think people wrongly assume about a bartender that, you uh, say your shift is eight to two and mm-hmm. you know, you just show up at seven fifty nine and start pouring drinks, but you have to prepare like the fucking fruit and some places. Yeah. Like, do you have to do that at your bar? Or can you? No, that's, that's uh bar back duties. But when I bar backed, absolutely. That was my whole, my whole life was cutting limes and polishing glasses and, and all the other and getting ice and stocking beers and, there's that a whole be, lot that goes into it. What, like, how how does one? What made you want to become a bartender? Because like, bartending is a nighttime job. You're mm-hmm. a great stand up. Does that conflict with like trying to do stand up? Big time. And nothing made me want to. I just it was sheer necessity. I had I had nothing. I was selling meat, frozen meat, door to door. What are you, Josh Nasser? I was for a little while. Did you work with him? Yeah. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Me and me and Zane Helberg. The great uh, legend of Zane Halberg. The legend of Zane Halberg. Um, we're selling. I was out of unemployment money. I moved out here. Uh, shit. At, you know what, Earl? It is my. It was my LA anniversary today. I didn't even notice that. How long have you been out here? This is nine years. I want to say. And where did you come from? The state of New Jersey. Greatest country in the world. Home of the Devils. Yeah. Only team in Stanley Cup history to have the parade in the parking lot of the arena. <laughs> Literally, like uh, we're not going to go through downtown Jersey. No one, you know something about the Devils? No one cares about the Devils. And that's I'm, crazy. I met people that were like hardcore hockey fans. And when they were like, oh, you're from New Jersey? You're like, the Devils? Are you like, everyone nuts about the Devils? And you're like, no. Absolutely no one's nuts about the Devils. Which is crazy because you had maybe one of the greatest goaltenders of all time, Martin Absolutely. Brodeur, mm-hmm. maybe one of the greatest uh, defensemen of all time, the legendary Scott, Scott Stevens. Stevens. Yeah, um, and then some great forwards, you know, Elia, Elias, and uh, Kovalchuk, and uh, you know. By the way, uh, breaking news in the world of hockey: Elia Kovalchuk, I in an NHL return. Uh, back to bartending. Um, <laughs> you don't get hockey news on any other podcast. Sure don't. I'm just trying to get the numbers up. We're going to talk bartending. We're going to talk Cobra. We're going to talk about comedy. We're going to talk about the evil people that go into bars. <laughs> evil. It's all right, though. 
as Steven Seagal said in Under Siege 2. Dark Territory. Yes. The great Eric Bogosian. <laughs> Chance favors the prepared mind. And my mind is prepared. Is yours. Anyway. Uh, so what, like, let's say I had my eye on a bar and I wanted to buy it. Mm -hmm. Dive bar. Is this a job interview, by the way? No, no. I, I'm curious to know the process of. I've never had a like a, someone who's a bartender on this show. Oh shit! Uh, 153 episodes. Well, I've had one person. Okay. Um, but what, what you, so you so you buy the business straight out? What's what's the first thing you got to do? Inventory, I'm assuming. Probably, yeah. That would be a good place to start. If, they, if the you know, I mean, I don't. I've never bought a bar, so I don't know if the inventory was included in the sale. Yeah, you'd count that shit. Let's um, say you're buying a bar. What's the first uh, order of business you do? Good question. I've never been asked that. Um, That's why I have one of the top 4,000 podcasts in the world. <laughs> I'd probably, first thing I'd do was make sure that the bar was uh, workable. There was a workable space. Like you would do a John Taff or assessment. You'd go in, okay. Uh, totally. All the... the beer things at the right temperature and you know yeah uh, yeah the refrigerator is it yeah you want you i mean you need that stuff because that's just that's i mean that's basic but also that the actual space behind the bar and the setup of the bar makes logistical and logical sense um because there's a lot of bars i mean ours is one of them where there's just it doesn't make i mean one of the wells which is where for the uninitiated or the ice is is just facing the opposite direction from where the customers are. So they built this bar and put where you have to stand and do all your work behind. So you have to take an order and turn almost 180 degrees to fill glasses with ice before you start making any drinks. And ideally, you would like to face the customer. Correct. Maybe not flirt with them, but like make them see what they're, you know, it's well, kind of yeah. cool to see. Sure. I mean, if you think about it, if someone's like, hey, can I get a vodka soda? And someone says, sure. And they turn around and make it with their back to you. You're like, what the hell are you doing back there? What are you making? My right. What's going on right now? And it'd be funner to maybe showcase. Are you a flashy bartender where you're... Oh, do I flare? Right. No. I'm I'm down the middle, baby. Lean and mean. Right. I bet. Let's get this done. Bet you are. <laughs> I swipe up the middle on Tinder. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I've never even seen Tinder. How about that? Oh, uh, man, you're better. I, you know, I in a moment of weakness, I uh, went on there and uh, and uh, I was on Plenty of Fish for a while. Is that still around? Oh, my God. <laughs> There's no fresh catch of the day on that side. <laughs> so gross. It's just... You know, these fucking people, you know, just such line on there. Like, I'm a few, I'm a, I think, you know, the first thing, you you know, you put your picture up there and then you, you know, put your body style. Like, for me, I would put lean and muscular. You're pretty much the same. You're, more, you're a little more muscular than I am, so you might say athletic. Sure. You know, these uh, broads that I was meeting would say they're... Uh, a few extra pounds. Okay, that's fine. None of us are perfect. And I'd meet them. And it's like, extra over what? Like, what are you, a fucking linebacker for the Raiders? I mean, let's just be honest. Uh, yeah, honesty, man. Honesty. So a lot it. of people aren't familiar with that concept. No. A lot of people at bars. A lot of non-September 17th people are 
Yeah. A lot of customers at bars aren't. <laughs> a lot of customers. <laughs> Just don't know how to be honest. And then they have to spend the rest of their lives wondering when they're going to meet Earl again. <laughs> it's not a good life. A lot of mental stress, undue stress. Don't know when those doors are going to open again. And Oh, wow, that's the guy I... Oops. Probably wasn't worth it. Especially when you come out of the refrigerator. Yeah. I like to give like... A lot of people ask me, Earl, what are you talking about sometimes on your podcast? You <laughs> Wait, people ask you that? You seem to talk I can't. I can't fathom. In these cryptic messages to certain people. And, uh, <laughs> I do. You know, I'm in mind manipulation. Right. Like when I play hockey. Mm-hmm. Someone slashes me. Most people would slash them back right away. I don't. You say thank you? Instead, I play the whole game right next to them. They, they're thinking, is he going to hit me now? Should I turn my back on him? I might not even get him that game. You remember? Two games, three games, two years. But trust me, I always slash them back. Who was the guy, uh, this is random, but uh, the guy who hit Cam Neely? Uh, Alf Samuelson. Was it Alf Samuelson? Yes. He, Didn't uh, Cam Neely only exact revenge several years later? Yeah. Well, I think that's great. Like, you know, I'm a very... I, what happened? He got hit and then... He got hit, uh, essentially a knee-to-knee -knee hit, which is like the worst thing you can have in hockey. And then it caused like degenerative... Uh, yeah, he was never the same. Uh, and for those of you who don't know who Cam Neely is, uh, get, think, get uh, familiar. Sea bass and dumb and dumber. <laughs> you fucking idiots. It's embarrassing that I have to say he's sea bass. Um, one of the few athletes to make number eight. Great. Yeah. Eight's uh, a tough number. It is. It's, uh, I can't, I really, uh, eight, a Troy couple, Aikman quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh, um, Yogi Berra. Yeah, there's not many. I mean, I would say uh, it's almost as rare as 99, which is only one athlete. Yeah. Has made that great. Did I like I ever, to. Did I ever tell you the time I body checked Wayne Gretzky? What? No. I never told you this story. Well, you're going to tell it to me now. Yeah. Well, I checked to see if the recording equipment is flowing. <laughs> I uh, We were in uh, Las Vegas. Um, Vegas, to those in the know. Um for a bachelor party, and it was the Sunday. It was a long weekend, and it was a Sunday. I was leaving that Sunday, and we lost in typical Vegas fashion. One of our friends no one had seen in about 36 hours, um, which is the only one we started to get concerned was after a day and a half. And uh, we were in the sports book. It was Sunday. It was football season. Everyone was watching football, and you can't you know, you can't use your phone in there. Now, why is that? Because I've never, I did that once and they freaked out on me. Is yeah. it because they think you're taking pictures of the odds? I Yeah, it's some, I, I, I don't know. I just understood it as something you just don't do. So I never questioned why. Either you can't, they don't want you talking to anybody outside or I guess maybe the feeds you're watching are delayed from the live action. So if someone's watching live, you can theoretically place a bet before something happens. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Um, so I looked down at my phone and the missing friend 
is calling me. So I'm like, I, I get up and take off so I can answer my phone without getting yelled at. And I got my head down and I flip, this is a long time ago. I flip my phone open. Oh, my flip phone. Yeah. Uh, and as I do this, I run into somebody and I look up and before I can even say, you know, my bad, sorry, whatever, I look up and it's fucking Wayne Gretzky. And he's not with any, I mean, he's like with his friends, but he doesn't have bodyguards, he doesn't have a security, anything like that. And he just looks at me and goes, that's one of the best hits I've ever taken. And I went, okay, Wayne Gretzky. You said that? Uh-huh, of course. And he just kind of chuckled and then went into the high rollers room. Well, I mean, man, that guy was, the numbers he put up is. Did you see him on uh, the Simmons show? On any given Wednesday? I, with Bill Burr, I did not. Uh, written, by the way, by two of our good buddies. I don't know if you know these two guys, but they're amazing comics and writers. The great Pat Barker and Brendan Lynch. Both roast battle legends. Right. I don't know them. Personally. Okay. I, think I know of them. They're great. Uh, but uh, they'll, they'll be, uh, I guess that show was just canceled. But uh, Yeah, it was. That shows you the insanity of Hollywood, like, you know, that a show written by those two guys, two of the funniest dudes I know, just like, you know, welcome to Hollywood. Sure. So there's, I have a Wayne, I, you know, I met Wayne Gretzky once at Bel Air Country Club. He was nice. You know? Not that big of a human being. Very small. Uh, you know, probably, I think, 5'10", maybe probably 170 in his heyday of uh, domination. But they surrounded him with gorillas. So he, uh, he. I'll tell you one quote, which will wet your, wet your beak for the whole interview. He, uh, Simmons asked uh, Burr where he likes to sit, and he said, "I like to sit center ice, um, up a few. I don't think he said. Um, uh, I'm going to say upper deck, but that's the right. baseball term. Um, he said, "I like to center ice mezzanine," and Gretzky said he likes to sit. Um, right by the net or he said something like way close to the ice but they asked Gretzky first then Burr answered and Gretzky just goes they were like oh, I'm surprised you like to sit that close to the ice he goes yeah but from where I am I get I have the same view as Bill does up there right I get it I mean you which know is, I like which is the genius of of the Gretzky's like it was, uh, I don't think people really understand how ahead of everyone else he really was like he came along at a time where you know if you were scoring 100 points a season you were the the best player in the game and he started scoring 200 points <laughs> like literally he, i think he had one season where he had like 243 points or something i mean like it's guys, amazing guys don't get that in their fucking career uh i mean the and, like, you don't have that in today. Like, you know, LeBron James is the best player, probably. I don't really follow basketball. But, you know, imagine if someone came along right now and just started doubling. Yeah. Doubling what LeBron was doing. Uh, and what's even scarier is if Mario Lemieux, I don't want to turn this into a hockey talk. but I almost wore my Lemieux jersey here today. Dude, if he could have played with those teams in Edmonton, you know, people don't realize, like, his first five or six years in the league, he was playing with Stiffs, Warren Young, Gary Rissling, you know, Jumbo Jim Kite, <laughs> you know, uh, Jay Caulfield, uh, who made a real nice uh, 
uh, a cameo in a sudden death, the great Van Damme. Oh, movie. classic. Uh, if he, if Mario Lemieux would have played with Curry, Glenn Anderson, uh, Grant Fuhr, uh, Paul Coffey, my God, he would, he could have had 300 points, but he did not. And he warbled away in Pittsburgh till the Yager man came. Don't forget Darius Kasparitis as well. Now, Darius, one of the dirtiest players in <laughs> NHL history. Him and uh, Eric Lindros would always have these fucking wars, man. Did you hear? I, I, I'm very interested in hockey, so this is going to become a hockey podcast. Um, forget who. Who's a, the the small guy that just wrote a book? I've had him on this couch. You have. The legendary. That's one of the few dudes I'll never joke about because he's... He came to my house when he didn't have to. He was on like a worldwide media tour. I reached out to Theo Fleury. Okay. From Twitter, thinking he'll never get back to me. <laughs> and he did. And his, I don't want to say travel agent, but his publicist said, you got 15 minutes. And he came here for 15 minutes. And, you know, if anyone's out there, I think I have his book. Let me see. I do. Uh, it's called Playing Plain with Fire. Yes. By uh, Theo Fleury. Buy the book. If you don't like hockey, buy it. You will read the book in two days. You can't put it down. And, uh, you know, for what he had to go through, uh, you know, any Jerry Sandusky-like situation is like... Awful. I mean... Because I would always watch him play in the NHL, and he played in, primarily with Calgary, and then he went to, to the Rangers for a bit. Uh, and it's a like, guy he plays with an edge, like you know, something's bothering him. <laughs> no, I mean, to put, I, like, he, to put it mildly, yeah. And then uh, so, and he uh, did a uh, what is the charity? I'm just wanting. I got the fly the um, the Victor Walk. So uh, if you just Google that Victor Walk. Uh, you can uh, support the cause and all that good stuff. Goes to uh, the uh, proceeds go to um, you know people who've been uh, you know abused and whatnot. So uh, yeah, Theo Fleury. You got a Theo Fleury story. His um, his theory on uh, why Lindros had so many problems when he got to NHL was that he never he was always so much bigger than everybody coming up, so he never had to learn how to skate with his head up. Well, yeah, I mean, it's... And that's uh, why he got laid out so many times. I experienced that problem in grade school when I was dominating <laughs> in basketball, football. I was like, I've been the same size PP since uh, fourth grade. Get the, No, you have Literally. Not maybe as muscular or whatever, heavy, but... Uh, you were that tall in fourth six, grade? I was one, you know, probably in fourth grade, probably 160 pounds, which is, you know, p pretty big for fourth grade. I weigh 160 pounds now. <laughs> and I <laughs> I was under five feet when I started high school. And then what, how so, tall are you now? 5'8", on a great day, 5'8". But you're built like a man. Thanks, dude. Uh, I mean, it didn't help us open the door. At the airport shoot, but <laughs> I think uh, Gruber had to turn into MacGyver. Gruber, Gruber channeled his uh, his inner junkie and and credit card the door open. Do you know that's the that's the night I got my wife's phone number? Really? Mm-hmm. At the at that airport? That yeah yeah she was uh, she was there. 
uh, no, at that shoot, um, I was getting texts from uh, my friends, the great Sandro Yogolano, um, who knew I had a crush on her. Uh, my wife's a comic, and but she uh, started in the, the East Side. Do you want to say her name? I don't think I know your wife. Do Amaya? I? What, what is her name? Um, her name is Amaya. I don't okay. think she was with us. She wasn't with us when we... By the way, my brother still asks about you to this day from our legendary running outside Dantana's. Well, I remember that. I was walking my dog, Lois. Yes. Um, uh, every third or fourth conversation, my brother will just out of nowhere ask, how's Earl? I leave a lasting impression on people. <laughs> you sure do. Um, so I was getting texts from Sandro. So my wife's a comic, but she started on the east side, did mostly... I'd I'd say alt rooms and that scene, uh, and she would occasionally pop up at the store. And this was back when the store was Sunday night, Monday night potluck. So I was there typically every Sunday night, every Monday night. Um, but we were at that shoot that Sunday night, and Sandro texted me, uh, "Amaya's here," and I was like, "You've got to be fucking kidding me!" The one goddamn Sunday that I'm stuck in a hangar in Santa Monica. <laughs> Um, and no sooner than did I get that text and have my little meltdown did, uh, someone else had their meltdown and canceled the shoot. And, uh, I hightailed to the store and got her number that night. Well, so good things do come out of patience, somewhat tragic situations. (laughs) Patience is a virtue. It is. I've heard. If I can express one thought to all you listening to Inappropriate Earl today, November 14th, 2016, is good things come to those who wait. That's right. And bad things come to people who deserve them. Anyway, I'm into the Buddhist philosophy now. So, what got you into comedy? We haven't really talked about. How long have you been doing stand up? I've been doing stand up since uh, I got out here, November. I think my first ever set was that following January. But did you like, were you in New Jersey? You saw like a Dave Chappelle clip and said, I want to do that. No, my, uh, my friend that I grew up with, uh, whose name is also Paul, he, um, Let's see. It's eight years I've been out here. November 14, 2008. I'm looking Facebook memories right now, guys. I'm cheating. It's all good. Um, my friend I grew up with, uh, who to this day is one of the funniest people on the planet to me, um, when we were like 18, was like, I'm, I think I'm going to do stand-up. And he was hilarious. He was the funniest one out of all of us. So we were like, oh, you got to. Um, so we were his bringer audience. And then we went to college only about 40 minutes away from each other. So we were always visiting each other and then driving, you know, to and from our respective homes in New Jersey on holidays together. Uh, Cause when you're, you know, in college and short on money, it's easier to pool right. your resources and whatnot. Uh, and that just started like he, he would, he would just run, you know, material. We would just, you know, we would just riff together and that started, uh, I guess my, my, my writing brain 
And then by the time I got out here, I wasn't really doing much. I had lost my job uh, and I was just drinking all the time. And I kept calling him and he had went on to, you know, that was what, eight years ago, I was 27. By this time he was married, I think had one kid, might not, I don't know. He was for sure married though. And uh, I would still call him and be like, Yo, here's seven jokes. And he was like, I don't do stand. Do you not realize this? You moron. I don't do stand up anymore. Um, why don't you just go do it? Which I don't know if I was waiting for him to tell me that. But uh, I mean, it's kind of an arrogant thing to start doing stand up. Well, you have to be very. Uh, it's a very selfish. Uh, it's all about you. Yeah. And I wasn't comfortable with just being like, I think I'm going to do that. So in, in, in a weird way, I think I was seeking permission from someone who had done it. Uh, so I just went uh, and and tried it at the fa- at the Laugh Factory. It was what a great ever. club! Real friendly with LA comics. <laughs> and uh, I believe I cursed, which is a big no no. Well, Harvey put the kibosh on that. Big no, Harvey. Harvey's the guy at the keyboard who plays your oh, okay. if you curse. Yeah, I think I did, but I had done most of my time, so I'm not sure if I had done my time or I I I let let something fly. But I remember afterwards they were like, "You can go meet Jamie now," and I was I was blasted. I didn't think I was gonna get up. They because they at the time I don't know if it's changed, but you do the first fifteen people in line. Right. Uh, and I was like number 16. And then when the guy came out, someone else showed up and was like, no, this person was holding my spot. So then whoever was in front of me became 16. Oh, right. So like everyone started flipping out and the guy was like, fuck it. I'll just take all of you. And I was like, fuck. Uh, so I went and got a bottle of Jack and drank half of it and took a few painkillers and then got to meet Jamie after. And uh, I believe I took him to task over his no cursing policy. Because to me, that doesn't make sense. Because his reasoning was, well, when you get on Fallon or when you do The Tonight Show, you have to work clean. And I was like, aren't we putting the cart a little bit before the horse here? But this is the guy, the same guy who also has Tom Arnold do a a benefit for the homeless. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, uh, if you're homeless, broke, and destitute... Do you really want to watch Tom Arnold bomb for an hour? Maybe you do. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, I'm not in touch with that with that faction. So I'm, I'm not, not in sure. touch with the factory. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I mean, last time I was there was to see uh, the great Olivia Grace showcase. So I was like, oh, hey, I'm here to see Olivia's showcase. They're like, it's 20 bucks. I'm like, I'm a comic. You know? Yeah, they don't care. Okay, it's 20 bucks. They do not care. Which is why the Comedy Store is like the best club on the planet. And I know that people in New York would say the stand in the cellar. By the way, the stand in New York, if you have a chance to play it, please do. But don't palm Patrick Milligan, the booker. He's way hip. He's like the New York version of me, you palming bastards. <laughs> <clears throat> I had a guy last night say, hey, great set, Earl. I'm like, I'm up in two. <laughs> no, no, yeah, you didn't. Real Palmer, this kid. Real green. Real right off the banana boat. But I said thank you anyway. So Yeah, I was going to say, you took the compliment, though. And then I had a guy last night. He was a little over-enthusiastic. 
saying, hey, can I get my picture with you? I'm like, uh, I guess. Like, <laughs> like, why are you so happy to take a picture with me? And then about five minutes later, my buddy's like, oh, my God, there's this guy out front. He's telling everyone he just took a picture with Mark Maron. No. <laughs> he thought I was Mark Maron. Oh, my God. So, sorry, Mark. Let's have me on WTF. We'll talk about it. You're much better looking than Marin. I probably have a bigger dick too, but you know the way this business works. Uh, you know, if you got the bulge in the back of your pocket, these twats will come out from all fucking corners. <laughs> Trust me on that one. But guess what? A lot of people have thought the grass is greener on the other side of Daddy, and it turns out it's shit brown. Anyway, uh, so how do you balance bartending and comedy? Like, I, I kind of don't. I mean, I go through weeks where, I mean, I'm lucky enough at my, uh, my spot that I've been there long enough where I, um, I have the schedule I want, kind of, or the ideal schedule, which is Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. Which is also tough because those are prime comedy nights. They are, but no one's booking me for a Thursday, Friday, Saturday night show, Earl. Listen, it's a cold business, man. It 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 is a cold business. So I do have prime for I'd say my uh, level, for lack of a better word, uh, nights off, which is Sunday through Wednesday. Um, but I also have to balance a home life. Which Wait, requires attention. No, I do not have a baby. I got a dog. Dogs are the best. Very loyal. Oh, extremely loyal. Those dogs. You'll never see another guy try and fuck your dog. So, thank God for canines. <laughs> well, this guy probably would. But anyway. Um. So, you know, there's weeks where I will have. I'll have a, a spot Sunday night, Monday, and Tuesday, and then for three weeks I won't do a single spot. Um, and does your wife still do comedy? She does not. She's She's been out the game for, I want to say, since we've been married, which is two years now. And what, what what does she do now? She works in staffing, which the great Robbie Slowick got her into. Or excuse me, Slovik. Slovik. Another LA comic who's flown the hatch and applying his it's killing it. talents in New York with the great Casey Balsham. Eric Gruber has now joined the elite New York contingent Can't of forget. comics. Can't forget to bring up Amy when you bring up those. Amy things. Hawthorne running the ship at, I think, the New York Comedy Club. Have you been out there to see? Have you been out? Have you seen her, by the way? I have. She looks great. I've done, uh, I was lucky enough to judge the New York uh, roast battle about two months ago. And they did it there? They do it at the stand. Okay. The legendary Patrick Milligan and the stand. And uh, I got to watch my friend Christy Cielo, uh, who was the high pitched girl from Roast Battle. She got the real high voice. Uh-huh. Uh, she was battling. And uh, so I got to judge. I did uh, New York Comedy Club, um, who Amy, who that Amy is now running back in July. I was home. And watching her be in charge of a comedy venue. It's tough. It's tough, but I texted her after. I was like, I was honestly watching someone finally find their natural habitat 
she was so comfortable and in charge of everything that was happening. Well, I mean, that she's, night. Yeah, I mean, she got a uh, advanced education at the comedy store. For sure. Seeing, you know, how uh, one of the top clubs, if not the top club in the world works. And she got to see all the palming baboons. She, I was going to say she got to see it, but she got to see it from a unique perspective, which was from ours, I want to say. Yeah, it's from the disgruntled bitter underlings. Jaded <laughs> comics that we all know. Then I used to be one of them. I'm just more functioning now. <laughs> but You're hot right now, Earl. Not really. I mean, it's a cold business, man. End today, out yesterday, man. I mean, you know, got a couple good things coming. But, uh, you know, good people get good things. They do. Do do the bad people get, they, bad people get things too, though. They do, but it always uh, falls flat for them. You know, like I've been in a room where uh, literally uh, a comic's name was brought up and they may have were a dick to somebody that, you know, years later or years earlier and, uh, their name got brought up for a gig and the person they were a dick to was like, nah. So, right. Should be nice to everyone. You should be nice to everyone to be nice. Shouldn't be nice sure. to get stuff. Uh, yeah. Uh, or to prevent previous or uh, future. Yeah. So, you know, I've, uh, but, uh, you know, a lot of people don't subscribe to my philosophy. I got to think that's the worst thing in the world though. That that was that's always been my huge huge fear is is because you know what it's like sitting in those rooms where it's all comics and then someone brings someone up and everyone just kind of groans. Oh yeah, or everyone I mean, knows. I, I've seen it with roast battle. You know, people didn't think Daddy was listening. Daddy's Dad, always listening. Though. Daddy listens. I play dumb. <laughs> Trust me, I'm always listening. <laughs> when certain people's names got brought up, hey, Earl, what do you think about this person? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Anyway. So that's how I balance. I don't. I just kind of just take what, what comes. Tell me about it. You know? I take it too. <laughs> right in the ass. <laughs> Let's get back to Cobra. Yes. As you can tell, Paul, I don't plan questions. No. I, I you know, we I very, was hoping you didn't. Very much into the Joe Rogan philosophy of let it flow. Correct. Let it flow. Revenge. Let it flow. I'm just kidding. So we talked about the beginning of Cobra. Why do you think it's 20... Almost 30 years. I think it's the 30 years. 30, years, yeah. 30 years this year. Yeah. Why do you think we still love that movie? I mean, I think I have to say that Stallone's uh, still relevant today. It has I, a lot to do with it. I tell you. Like, I mean, not even relevant has had a uh, career rebirth. I love Stallone. Who do, I mean, who doesn't? If I've never met anyone that didn't at least like him, and I think if I did, I would never uh, stop w wondering what their problem was. 
but his catalog of films and hits is like he's i mean it's it's stunning like from rocky to uh the expendables three like it, it's really unbelievable persistence like you know and we all know the story of rocky mm -hmm. no one wanted him for it shopped at every studio they said no and then he finds one that says we'll make it you can't be in it still they, says no no they offered him double and he's like no you know and like so i mean damn he's just good old slides like the little actor that could He's a legend, and he's also one who, who uh, I, I believe echoes your sentiments. On, uh, I was reading up on my Stallone quotes last night, to, uh, so don't think that I'm not a prepared guest, those listening and, and chomping at the bit to book me. Um, people do he, get jobs from this show. And he said, a lot of people have assumptions about me that I'm just kind of a dumb meathead. I'm paraphrasing. So I don't put any effort into dispelling what they already believe about me. So he, I'll, he's a very intelligent person. Oh, listen, you don't make, I mean, he's got to be worth 300 million to two, $300 million. At least. Uh, you don't make that kind of money and are stupid. No, uh, there's no way. And he, I find that he's actually a, a, a really good actor. Like, and you know, people would be like, what are you talking about? But, like, if you watch Copland... If you watch Copland... Dude, even if you watch Cobra, there's moments in Cobra... I don't deal with psychos. I put them away. I mean, that's the cheese aspect, but if you look at the scene, like the, the your, you know, the, your drowning your fries scene, there are moments where you're watching that where you're like, he's actually... He's actually worried. Not worried, but he's actually, like... He is a very talented actor. I mean, look what he did in Creed this past year. Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of people thought he should have uh, he's been nominated for an Oscar. He and, was. Uh, I thought they... Uh, I'm waiting for the sequel. I know Stallone loves to pump out those sequels, and you have a sequel to Creed where it's Apollo's illegitimate son. I mean, come on. Black boxer in the 70s? Come on, let's be real. Uh, so, you know, I'm waiting for that. You know, And then he can fight the real son. You know, and then we Do you think that's what the sequel is going to be? See, the sequel's already set up. If you remember or watched, the I didn't movie. see Creed. To be you honest, did not see I Creed. Did not see, and I don't. Uh, Earl. I just you don't know, know your middle name, Skakel. Ranft. My middle name is Ranft. R A N F T. I was named after Earl Ranft, who was my dad's best friend and who died in a plane crash, which is why I always had a fear of flying. But now I don't. Okay. I didn't expect that to go I fly that way. first class. Well, Daddy flies first class. Earl Rant Ranft. Ranft, not Earl, Rant. <laughs> Earl Ranft Skakel. You need to watch Creed. I just, I, you know. I it is fantastic. Oh, I have no doubt about it, but I'm like very much. Uh, Knowing my love of 80s metal, you know, someone said, hey, you know, Doc and got back together, you know, check out this clip. They're touring again. And it was just awful. <laughs> it's like Don Dawkins got like a, a Sting the Wrestler type slicker on uh, <laughs> the drummers. Uh, Showing their age. Oh, man. I just, you know, I was watching the first Rambo the other night and it's like, man, 
that's the that's real Rambo. Deal. The first, not the last one. And I, I love watching Stallone's older movies like Nighthawks. A very undiscovered gem. Rutger Hauer's first American movie. Really? Yeah, it was. Uh, and then uh, Victory, the soccer movie. Victory is a great movie. Doesn't you never really, uh, you know, uh, hear that movie? You know, because you know Stallone's done so many. I mean, probably sixty, seventy films, uh, and probably at least forty were hits or blockbusters. I mean, I don't think outside of Tom Cruise, there's an actor, maybe Hanks, who's got that body of like hits. I mean, he's done more bombs than most people do films. Yeah, he's an all-time Razzie leader. But uh, he is a good actor, man. I mean, in Copland, you had him going up in scenes with Ray Liotta, De Niro, Harvey Keitel, and he held his own. Like, and Rocky, you know, was like he played a dim-witted kind of like, ugh, but he was great. Yeah, stakes in here. Yeah. So you don't want to see Creed because you're afraid? I don't want to see the Stallone of now. It's like kind of it's, like... Earl, you have to. It's so good. And I, I was a big Apollo Creed guy, you know, but I just... I mean, what's next? They're going to have him fucking fight uh, Drago's kid? No, he's going to... I mean, I don't want to ruin say, I'm not going to see. I'm not going to see right, Creed. so... I, at this point, I would probably rather see Creed the it's band. It's essentially... <laughs> I really used to like Creed. Uh, Can you take me higher? Is it a jammer? <laughs> Come on, my own prison. Can you take me higher? I mean, I was 16 when I They should have so. uh, gotten uh, Desmond Child into the publishing game with those kids, write him a couple <laughs> pop heads. Um, Creed is the same exact movie as Rocky, just updated. Does that make any sense? So, Creed, so Apollo's son basically gets a shot due to an injury to the main contenders uh or the champs, you know, main rival. Right. But early in the movie, uh Creed, whose name is Adonis, he goes by Donnie. That bothered me. I didn't like that. His name's Adonis Creed, but he goes by Donnie. Anyway, my name's Adonis. Everyone's calling me Adonis. Stop that right, right now. No one's calling me Donnie. Um early in the movie, him and the contender they're from the same gym, which is Apollo's home gym in LA. And uh they they scrap. So they're already set up to fight each other in the second movie. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's it's already set up. So instead of uh Creed's kid and the champion fighting again in the second movie, Creed's kid and the guy who was supposed to fight the champion are going to fight. That is what I would put my money on. I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. Uh, I was wrong last Tuesday. Um, what was last Tuesday? Your roast battle predictions? Oh, no, no. I'm never wrong on those because uh, I never make them. Uh, <laughs> A lot of people are wrong on my roast battle predictions. Really? No one they, thinks daddy can win. But I just keep Earl, going. you crushed one of the first ever. I, I mean, here's the thing. I, from, let's get to roast battle. I was at the first ever, I was at the Kenny Lyon, I was at the Slapbox night. I was at there, I was at there. I was there when it was just the mic that was sparsely attended. And uh, you uh, 
decided to take the mantle and, and battle Boon Shakalaka. Which a lot of people tell me, well, that doesn't really count as a victory. That absolutely counts as a victory because that was an absolute spur of the moment decimation. It was a uh, it was the equivalent of a dark match in the WWE. <laughs> I think uh, most... I don't know that term, but hearing dark that match... description is I, I understand what you're saying. Well, a dark match is one they do before the cameras start rolling. It's like just get the crowd warmed up and. Uh, Moses had asked me to battle Boon Shakalaka, the homeless transvestite. And I'm like, ah, I, I'm not really, I, I didn't really, like, nah, now I'm good. And then I think I was just bored one night and Boone was walking around and I battled Boone. And then my roast battle, uh, you know, to go from Boon Shakalaka to battling Jimmy Carr. Is, uh, it's, it's, you talk about going A to Z. It's, and K. Trevor Wilson, the legend of Canada, Sarah Tiana, you know, uh, to go from battling them, Olivia Grace, and, you know, the great Joe Dosh, and many others, uh, was really, um, you know, but to have it start with Boone. That was one of the first, I mean, real matches, wasn't it? Uh, it was up there. I mean, I think that might have been the first marquee match where... Uh, but you I know, seem to remember being somewhat spontaneous. It was. Didn't I, you battle him? Didn't someone not show up? No, no. That was when uh, there was a night where um, uh, there was two battles canceled at the last minute. And this was when uh, there was only like three, four battles a night. So to have two battles canceled at the last minute, you know, uh half the card was gone so uh i had to battle um you know on 20 minutes notice and it, it worked out and you know it's the show still going strong i mean season two is already filming or special but i guess it's a season right. so uh, my role is, is yet undetermined but uh never say never and that is also the iron eagle soundtrack song by the great band King Cobra. Never say die. Pardon me. Never say die. Is that the tape that he loads on his uh, quad while he's flying the F-16? No, that's uh, another 80s uh, band song. But uh, Never uh, Say Die is the video with Louis Gossett Jr. Uh, and he's training the band King Cobra to be fighter pilots. <laughs> and I don't know... I would just loved to have been a fly on the wall for that shoot. He was pitched, hey, you know, uh, Iron Eagle, we think it's going to be a hit. Uh, you got to do this video for the main song. It's with this 80s metal band, King Cobra. And, like it's a takeoff on almost Officer and a Gentleman where he's like training them and he's like telling them they're losers. <laughs> and then at the end of the video, they're all like fucking super fighter pilots. They fly F-16s. And King Cobra is relevant in today's... Uh, political world because this Caitlyn Jenner uh, by the way Robin Tran is uh, battling this Wednesday for the road to roast battle Comedy Central she's transgendered and Caitlyn Jenner transgendered the singer from King Cobra when that video was made his name was Mark Free Mark Free uh, ask me what his name today is Paul what's Mark Free's name today Earl I'm glad you asked. Marcy Free. Did he spell Mark with a C? 
No, he now is a woman. I'm saying, but did he originally spell Mark M-A-R-C? No, M-A-R-K. He was a full dude, good-looking dude, you know, blonde hair, great body. Never say die, Iron Eagle. Nothing's gonna fly, now or never. Anyway, uh, go buy that on iTunes. You'll probably upload it back to him one minute in, but <laughs> welcome to Hollywood. <laughs> so, I mean, Paul, I could go on forever. I mean, we've covered a lot of ground. You came on... To talk about Cobra, that lasted about six minutes. <laughs> because really, there's not a lot to talk about Cobra. It's really a, <laughs> it's a fairly uh, easy film to break down. There really isn't. I mean, I watched it again last night. Um, primarily because I was like, I don't remember this movie. And then eight minutes into it, I was like, yeah, I remember this movie. Well, there's there's the opening scene. There's... Uh, the car chase scene. Great car Great chase. car. That's another reason why you ask people, re- a movie resonated with people. One of the best cars in movie history. An awesome 50 on the license plate. Amazing car. Uh, also, the first, I believe, uh, nitrous uh, scene. Yes, way before way Fast Way before and Fast and Furious. Thank you, uh, Vin Diesel and uh, Michelle Rodriguez and the rest of the cast. So I think we have... Cobra to thank for the Fast and Furious franchise. More or um, less. Uh, and I'm surprised they didn't do a Cobra 2. You know, I, you know, Stallone loves sequels. He does. And it's funny. I think some sequels he shouldn't have done, but I would have loved to have seen a Cobra 2. Maybe instead of Tango and Cash. You know. Uh, oh, for sure. Maybe like, ta- I mean, Tango and Cash is a great movie. Too, and just even another mo- Stallone movie that pops up, popped into my head uh, that never gets talked about. In 1989, he did a great prison film, Lock Up. Lock Up. Lock Up's a great movie. With the two great bad guys, Donald Sutherland as the uh, warden drum goal, uh, the prison prison henchman, and the great Sonny Landham, who I have an autographed picture of in my bedroom. Now, you might be saying, who the hell is Sonny Landham? Uh, Billy Bear from 48 Hours and Billy the Indian from Predator. Primarily played Billy's. Yeah. Top business, Hollywood. Did you read? Have you ever read the IMDb on Predator about him, about Sonny Landham? Well, he was like, you know, they say he was in porn, but like. That's not even the most interesting part, that they had to hire security for him. Uh, but it was for the protection of everyone around him. Because he was crazy? Because he was insane. But. You know, he's a method actor. No, I'm being being completely serious. Like, I'm working on something right now that I can't say. It's probably going to be the biggest thing to ever happen to me because I've been lucky enough to be brought into the fold, but I cannot divulge right now. But the uh, one of the actors, I'll just say that. I don't want to give too much away. Is basically a method actor. So, in the table reads, they cry. They when there is a scene where they play angry, you everyone in the room is like, "Is this person really angry?" Uh, and I think Billy uh, or Sonny Landham, if you remember Predator, he was the guy they sent out. He was the tracker. Yeah, and he was very like uh, unstable in that movie. Like he was like, "There's that scene where he's you ain't scared of nothing in this world." Right. Let's do that scene right now because I do a spot-on impression of Sonny Landham. Oh, you do? All right. So this is a scene where they're all kind of talking. Bill Duke off the ledge because he was the one who saw the predator. It's us. 
I saw those eyes. And then you come in. All right, so we're going to do it real pro. Like, this is a scene where they're talking Bill Duke off the ledge. He, they just shot into the jungle, which I think great is one of the scene. most fucking macho scenes ever. It's a great Six shot. Six dudes <laughs> just <laughs> blasting blindly into the jungle. But Bill Duke, who actually has said he will come on the podcast. Uh, he's a legend in Hollywood. He yeah, really he is. is. Like uh, Bill Duke's great, especially with African uh, uh, American films. Like he, he is like also in Commando. Commando, you scared motherfucker. You should be because this green beret is gonna kick your big ass. I had the green berets for breakfast and right <laughs> now I'm very hungry. <laughs> Uh, so this is a scene where they're like they just shot in the jungle and they're talking like asking uh, uh, Bill Duke what he saw and then this is a scene with Sonny Landham All right. and sound speed who, wait who am I before? you're the guy who's like Billy you know something that's my, that's my line right okay and sound speed and the bell rings to signal everyone to be quiet on set hold the work <laughs> action Billy, you know something. I'm scared, Poncho. Bullshit. You ain't scared of nothing in this world. There's something out there. It's hunting us one at a time. We're all gonna die. The man's losing it. There's a couple zappers out there following us. That was Carl that, that was Dylan, yeah. That was a good Dylan. There's a couple zappers out there following us. Nothing more. Oh, this another uh, uh, Sonny Lanham impression from uh, this is a scene where the predator just recently took Jesse Ventura's body <clears throat> and action Major you better take a look at this Blaine's body it's gone That's anyway, re- that was really good I do seven impressions I'm no Melissa Villasenor I'm no Jeff Richards and all seven of my impressions are from the movie Predator that's I mean what else why why would you want to do impressions from any other any other movie did you just ask me to do an impression of the actual Predator yeah I did glad you asked yeah. sometimes these mics go in and out all right this is the Predator at his audition for Passion of the Christ <laughs> action All right, that's enough of the impressions. That was really good. So where do you can I can we say where the bar is? Like, do can, can people come? I'm telling you right now. I'm not saying hundreds of people are going to come there, but like you will get some business from this. Yeah, it's uh, the bungalow, the corner of Wilshire and Ocean on the Fairmont Hotel property. Let's go there. Paul's the cool dude, uh, you know. And then any comedy shows coming up? I got one in December at the Virgil. I didn't know it was plug time already, Earl. Well, yeah, I mean, I think we've broken down Cobra. I mean, you didn't see Raw Deal, which is too bad, because you'll have to come back for that. I mean, one of the great lines in uh, movie history was uh, the great character actor, Ed Lauder. uh, Great actor. You know who he is? Of course. He he, he recently passed, but I met him at the gay car wash once. Naturally. And uh, we were sitting next to each other waiting for our cars. And I have this weird thing I do when I see someone famous. I mean, to me, Ed Lauder was famous. For sure. You know, I'm a fan, you know, and uh, that guy's are almost more exciting to see. Ed Lauder's of that guy. Yeah, he's like he's that typical. Uh, and I hate saying character actor because, I mean, he's a great actor, was a great actor. But like 
he's that guy you you see his face you're like oh, okay I've, I've seen this guy in something and you know it's kind of like the bad guy in cobra like you know you no one knows his name i do but you're like brian e thompson offer still open baby to come on i would love i would freak out if i had i just had marshall teague on the bad guy from roadhouse i mean yeah you're, you're getting up there please uh so i see ed lauder at the uh car wash we're kind of waiting for our car in the same area and he looks at me and he's like hey how are you i'm like let's look at him i'm like game ball And he kind of looked at me like, what? I'm like, it's longest shot. It's when you gave the ball to Eddie Albert after he told you to shoot Burt Reynolds. And you just looked at him and said, game ball. And he's like, what do you do, son? I'm like, uh, I'm a comic. He's like, oh, I started out as a comic. So it was nice to me. I'll always. We talk about Rambo. I was uh, once working at the Sports Connection on Santa Monica, Ocean Park and 31st. <laughs> Back in the Dizzy, and David Caruso came in. I instantly knew who he was. And, yeah. Uh, he said, Hey, I'm not a member, but I can I just use the jacuzzi? I'm like, You're just a punk from the patch, Johnny. And he looked at me like, What? I'm like, Crime story. That's what Ray Lucas said to you right before he killed you. That's, uh, that's so bizarre to me that people would pretend to not know. But, I mean, that's an obscure, like, a crime story in the vein of David Caruso's career. By the way, he's one of the sheriffs in Rambo, hunting mm -hmm. Rambo. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's kind of an obscure line to throw out at someone, like, you know. Yeah, but you know every single, I mean, I, I'm not blessed enough to have the catalog of David Caruso quite yet. I do. So maybe I'm, I'm, only, I'm only going from experience. But I've had a couple people recognize me at the bar from the little things i've done but what did you like once what, huh what what like things were you recognized for uh we were i was in a sketch that made it to project Greenlight top 10 um it was just on a uh a pilot that was on nbc at uh 1 a.m on a friday night hey man it's a big deal um but not once have i been like what are you talking about right but i mean like david caruso this was like a 19 this is right the height of his nypd blue uh, fame, and he, I think he was uh, just about to film that, uh, you know, couple move Jade. He, he was just Oof. about to do that movie, which Jade. like Jade was a great movie. I mean, you know, I, I don't think it was as bad as people make it out to <laughs> seem, but you know, it's like it's tough business. You know, it's like you know, he left that show, a hit show, to, to do movies, and his movie career didn't really pop. And Jade was like, along with Blown Away, like the one of the two or three movies you could rent that you were like, this is porn. Yeah. Like before I mean, porn, you know, was just everywhere. With the great Linda Fiorentino. Uh, Absolutely. Do you know what I'm talking about, Blown Away, with both Corey's and Nicole Eggert? Oh, I thought you were talking about Travolta's Blown Away. No, nor was I talking about... Blowout. Um, no, I'm sorry, my bad, my bad. Yeah. Um, there's another uh, terrorist movie called Blown Away, but I'm talking about there's a movie called Blown Away with Nicole Eggert, Corey Haim, and Corey Feldman. Where basically the three of them just fuck the whole time. Good for them. And back in the day, if you rented it, it was like we're we're sleeping over your house. I think I do remember a terrorist movie with Corey Haim in it. No, 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 different movies. Okay, sorry. Because there's some <laughs> movies that just popped into my head. It was like a yeah, License to Drive. No, yeah. no, it was at like a high school, and they were like there was bombs and terrorists, and they that's were like, um uh toy soldiers. You no, no, it was soldiers? like a very he wasn't like, in that. Uh, my buddy I used to play hockey with, an Arab guy, Khabib. 
uh, he was in it. Uh, but I'm, I don't know if it was Corey Haim or Corey Feldman, but, uh, you know, uh, I was introduced to Corey Feldman once uh, as Kennedy, and every time I see him, he says, hey, Kennedy. So he's, he's working, and he's trying to make Who is in it, Feldman or Haim? I don't remember. It's like a real, like, this was like a movie that probably literally went straight to VHS and, like, was on, like, Cinemax at, like, four in the morning. But it was, it's also one of those movies that you always see. It's like that prison movie, Blood In, Blood Out. Mm -hmm. You ever see that movie? No. Uh, is it Demolition University? It, yeah, I think yeah. it was. <laughs> College student and his friends try to thwart a deranged war veteran's plan to poison the city's water supply. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sounds like Tony Baker wrote that movie. Oh, watch out. Let's not get that guy involved. So, all right, you got to show. Tony Baker's also always talking about poisoning the water supplies. His bad, his bad guy stuff. Anyway, big Tony Baker fan. Tony Baker's a good dude. Uh, he's the best. Um, yeah, Probably. the 13th at the Virgil. 13th at the Virgil. So you local people, uh, you, you know, just go to the Virgil. It's a hot spot. And then, you know, go to the Paul's Bar and, like, you can talk Cobra with him. But be... Don't let let but let's leave on this note. You're at a bar, guy or girl. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming girls get just you know a little better service just because you know ladies first type of philosophy. If you're a guy trying to get the bartender's attention, what's are the tips to do and not do? Uh, do be patient. Do make eye contact. Do wait for your turn. Don't wave. Don't say excuse me um don't definitely don't just order if you if you walk up and wave if you walk up and say excuse me and then order or if you walk up and just order you are immediately the back of the line so all you freeloading slobs and I know a lot of you go to bars. And that so, applies to both sexes. That works right. for both sexes. Yeah, and you girls with the big jugs flopping around and, and your fucking push-up bras trying to get free booze. Uh, do yourself a favor in life. Sack up, get a job, and you can buy your own booze. <clears throat> and you uh, freeloading male slobs who go to bars to get hammered and pick up chicks, uh, you know... You got bad karma. And sometimes karma collects in certain specific areas. Karma's coming. And I know you listen to this podcast. So I hope it was worth it. Because daddy's got a memory. And daddy's a debt collector. And I'm Jewish, so I collect on all debts owed. So, Paul, where can people find you on Twitter and Instagram? <laughs> on that, we're plugging. Uh, Twitter, at this Paul. Instagram, the same. And uh, Facebook, just my name, Paul. This Palmeria. Paul, that's T-H-I-S. Follow Paul. He's a good dude. I know we joked around a lot, and I took it to dark territory, like Under Siege 2 did. But uh, you know what? If you think you can do a better podcast, I tell you what, I'll give you my Amazon uh, list of products that I bought. You can buy thousands of dollars of equipment. You can get Paul's information on Facebook, and you can invite him over to your house, and you see if you can do a better fucking podcast. Can't be done. No, it can't be done. You know, I'm a warrior. It's like they said in Cobra, I'm a warrior of the free world. I want to blow this fucking place up. Go ahead. I don't shop here. 
I don't deal with psychos. I put, put them away. away. I love you, Sylvester Stallone. Listen, Stallone, if you're out there, and I'm assuming you don't listen to this podcast, but <laughs> on the off chance you do, I want to have you on my couch to talk about not about Rocky, not about Rambo, not about Oscar or Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. You're going to sit on my couch and we're going to break down Victory. We're going to break down Nighthawks. We're going to break down, uh, you know, uh, uh, Cobra, Cobra. Uh, t- t- uh, Over the Top. Come on. That kid hasn't acted since Over the Top. He checked out after that one. So inappropriate Earl, guys. SoundCloud and iTunes. Spread this episode. Spread it. <laughs> <laughs>